0: Hello and welcome to our extraordinary podcast. I'm Clara and I'm Danny. and today we're talking about episode 204 Zoe's Extraordinary Employee written by Robert Suduth and directed by Anya Adams. We're joined this time by our friend Tori Hoffman who is also a huge Zoe's fan. Welcome to our extraordinary podcast Tori.
1: Hey! Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited.
0: Well, we we know Tori through our previous podcast, Physical Kids Weekly, because she's a big fan of the Magicians as well as of Zoe's. And like Danny and I, she has a special kind of relationship to this show and its content. So can you can you tell us a little bit about that, Tori? What's your connection to Zoe's? Yeah.
1: Well, it's kind of multi pronged, really. Um, I think the thing that first got me was that I like deeply identified with Zoe as hmm. a human, a, like a high anxious human who. And then gets to live the dream of, well, dream slash nightmare of having her life actually be a musical. And then also my husband's dad passed away when he was younger. And something that's been really interesting in our relationship in general has been like getting to watch him kind of navigate through different pieces of the grief of that, like through different pieces of media. Like we... Mm have had it with this is us and then we've had it with different movies and things like that as well but um something about the like rawness that Zoe's brought to the whole process of like losing him just really really hit both of us super hard at the end of last season and then coming into this season and it, there's really so many reasons but <laughs> I think this, that those are the two main ones I've also just been really impressed with the pieces of myself that I find in a variety of the characters
0: mm-hmm. like
1: identify with Max in the like not knowing what to do with someone who is grieving like that as well as Emily obviously and identify with Mo in like the queerness and all that stuff so it's really just kind of a compilation it's a mosaic of who I am kind of <laughs> so
0: <Mo-sync>? uh, Yeah. <laughs> A playlist? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I do find that, like, for, for me being somebody, like, my dad, like Zoe's dad, has a neurological, a progressive neurological condition. It's in the same family. So, like, Zoe is sort of the obvious person for me. I also work in the tech industry. But, like, this episode especially, I've been like, oh, maybe I'm David. <laughs> so yeah. there's definitely, like, bits and pieces. And I think that's, that's the sort of great thing about TV in general is that, like, you get these sort of archetypal characters but nobody is just like a single archetype you always have like little pieces of of every archetype built into your personality
2: what character do you guys think I'm the most like oh that's a good question
0: that is a good question
2: you know I actually
0: haven't thought about this too terribly much
1: I feel like you give me big mo vibes
2: (laughs) I'm not that I'm not like I could never have that kind of energy
1: yeah not in like the exuberance but in like you know, like Mo's quiet side that, like, we got to see in the episode with the contract and when they were dealing with that. And like, hmm. I, I see, I can see you like, na- I see you like navigate sometimes issues in the same way, where like you kind of keep it in, but like it comes out in different ways. And then also just like you are you and like you don't try to not be you and I think that that's just a really beautiful thing honestly I freaking love Mo so like you know <laughs> this is a huge compliment
0: I, I think that is a huge
2: compliment I'm gonna say though I think you're more like Simon I think you have that kind of like I was like just thinking I was like I think I'm more like Simon and maybe like a little bit of Zoe and her like craziness or,
0: like, <laughs> and her capricorn <laughs> Capricornness. or well, by just... the way Tori is also a Virgo so we're all earth signs here yet again earth we have not broken in our Key. earth sign yeah. <laughs> the bubble
2: I also think I'm like Tobin a lot
0: <laughs> of course like, you do
2: an asshole <laughs> to some people yeah. I don't know like but I like that loyal. like sarcastic like just asshole-ishness like, uh-huh. just, like how like weirdly open he is about like his traumas <laughs>
0: Tobin is your I don't give a fuck side which is totally a facade but it also like it is for him too
2: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely I don't give a fuck but I really just give the most fucks (laughs) yes (laughs) that's it that's the that's it
0: (laughs) well Tori we're really excited to have you here and to get your perspective on the show in this episode before we dive in Danny, can you read us the episode summary
2: well IMDB says Zoe tries to choose happiness in quotes in air quotes (laughs) but finds it easier said than done David Re-evaluates his priorities. Bo and Max face their first real challenge as business partners. I would technically—that's their second challenge, but yeah. <laughs> choose happiness. Uh, I was like so cringed out when I heard it the first time. I was like,
0: I—I I feel like I. I- It's so against, like, everything that this show is about that I instantly knew, like, this has to be them breaking this apart and being like, that's bullshit. I knew
2: it was, but I just was like, oh, I hate just, like, hearing it, even in, like, a fictional context. Nails on
0: a chalkboard. Good
2: vibes only, like... (laughs) (laughs) you are the vibes you put off which like to an extent obviously is true but also
1: like mental health (laughs) we
0: we should get into initial reactions I had kind of mixed feelings about this episode again like I loved the music both the heart songs and the like not heart song performances that we got Mm -hmm. I also really love David and Emily's storyline I think there's there's just something really profound about the way that like loss causes you to realign um, and to like think through the things that matter to you in in a very dramatic way and i think we see that with the pandemic right now too right like everybody everybody's like don't give a fuck about this don't give a fuck about that it's like that cat <laughs> yeah. meme where the cat's just like fuck this fuck that fuck this thing in particular i'm sad to lose george in this episode of course oh, cuz yes. he's such a fun character and Harvey is amazing. We all love Harvey from The Magicians as well. But and we'll get into all this we'll get into all this a little bit later. I was a little disappointed by the setup we get at the end with Aiden. Like it it kind of feels like we've gone from one love triangle to another. So those are my initial thoughts. What about you, Danny? What do you think?
2: I don't think I like had as many grievances with you just cuz like I feel like <laughs> I feel like the Aiden thing, like, I feel like it's just going to be, like, a distraction. I mean, we'll get back into that later. And also, you thought he was hot. He's so hot. Okay? (laughs) So hot. Did you see him in Lock and Key and he puts on the crown and they're playing <laughs> <laughs> And they're playing, do you see me in a crown?
0: Danny, Danny, you got to keep this at least PG-13.
2: <laughs> I mean that show's PG-13, we're good. Um, uh, yeah, I don't I don't have as many like reservations. I don't think that he's going to be quite what you think he is. Um but we'll get into that later. <laughs> I love Drunk Zoe. I vibe with Drunk Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know i i did think it was kind of more of like a i feel like if anything like you said that like a couple episodes ago was a filler episode i feel like this is a filler episode hmm. for sure and then of course i'm obviously really sad about harvey leaving the show as well <laughs> tears what about you Tori?
1: I also didn't have a ton of reservations about this episode, but I think I went into it also viewing it a little bit as a filler episode. Like, mainly because I was, like, had seen Harvey sharing, like, that George gets a big number. And, and like, usually if a background character gets a big number like that, like, I can kind of expect it to not be, like, extraordinarily plot-heavy. Mm-hmm. I would say that, like, my one reservation that I share with you, Clara, is, like, the Aiden setup. Mostly because I just feel like they're throwing girl, guy, girls. That I would be that would okay be better. with that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I would be super down for that. Um, I just feel like they're throwing guys. Is that we left and right? Like, it was, what, two episodes ago that she f- was finally shooting a shot with Max, and then that got. And shut they were down like so in a serious so relationship.
2: Yeah. yeah, for two it, seconds it went from like <laughs> yeah,
1: but for literally two seconds, which really bums me out because I think that there's a lot of history in that relationship that I would really like to see played out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the show's obviously hinting at like it's not over and like the feelings are still there and all of that. So like, there's that. I think the issue I have with the chemistry between Simon and Zoe is that it is. It's, like, trauma bonding, and Mm -hmm. I just don't love relationships built on that, and so, like, I've never really liked them as a couple. Sorry.
2: No, (laughs) no, we talked
0: about that, like, I don't know, one or two episodes ago, for sure. Yeah.
1: So so the Aiden thing just feels like a palate cleanser to me. That being said… His rendition of sex and candy was so good and so hot. It was both sex
0: and candy. It was great.
1: (laughs) It was indeed both of those things. So like I'm here for the palate cleanser, but I am definitely like getting a little bit of whiplash with Zoe's romantic interest. And I feel like Zoe is too and so maybe that's some of the point I'm very good at just being like well look I'm not creating this I don't know what's in store and so I give a lot of leeway when uh, before like a season is over yeah
2: yeah yeah
1: but I really loved the heart songs in this episode Mm. Harvey killed stronger like it was just incredible and really impressive um and then I really really did love the Emily and David storyline this episode, like it was incredible. I'm sure we'll talk about that more probably, but I think Emily is this character that like could have been very typecast and very one dimensional given like the way that she was presented in the first season Mm -hmm. and the way that they're like having her open up in different ways with like the introduction of her sister and with the introduction of the baby and like all these different dynamics is just like really cool. And so I'm kind of obsessed with Emily now, but it's <laughs> it's fine. And David too, just is like I feel like they both could have been kind of backgroundy yeah. throughout the seasons, but they've done a really good job in this show of like giving all the main characters, like making them really feel each like main character. Yeah. So I
2: feel like if anything, it's like you would think that they would become like more and more background characters as it goes along, but it's like the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: everybody's getting to like unfold
2: yes yes um and also this
1: episode like i was really confused about the interview situation with simon and oh yeah this Tatiana, episode? yeah
2: uh-huh. yeah Yeah. because she like
1: she was like i'm gonna take it easy on you and then like it did not slammed him with this like crazy hard question but then he was really and, like, happy
2: afterwards
1: <laughs> yeah and and like he was clearly fumbling and then he came out and was like you know, blaming it on the juice, and I'm like, well, I just don't.
2: At first, I what totally thought that they there? slept together or something. I was like, what just <laughs> happened?
1: Right. So I'll be curious to see more about that because I don't think Tatiana is going away. Yeah. Uh, and so that'll be an interesting thing. But yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think you could see a world in which, like, Tatiana doesn't write a, like, glowing article about Sparkpoint. He thinks that that's going to happen and it doesn't happen, but, like, now they've developed this bond and maybe a little chemistry, and it's like, oh.
2: Yeah. Well. And she's (laughs) going to write that article about um, Max. The restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that'll be really
1: interesting. So, yeah. A definitely filler episode, but, like, a lot of prongs that I'm excited to
0: see where they go. Well, let's dive in, then. We'll do our deep dive. Yeah? Let's do it. Okay. So, um, four main arcs in this episode. Maggie contending with the flirtatious architect and Jenna, like, teasing her and getting to know her more. Uh, The increasing tension in Max and Mo's friendship and business partnership. Zoe choosing happiness and then having to fire a bunch of people and saying that, like, choosing happiness is bullshit. Um, David deciding that he wants to leave his job to be a stay-at-home dad and the impact of that on his relationship with Emily. So, yeah, should we take him in order? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So then so the first thing I want to talk about is just how right we were last week when we were talking about Maggie and that architect because he was, one, totally into her. And you were 100% right about her turning him down and being, like, kind of affronted by him asking her in the first place. So what did you think about how how
2: they handled that on the show? I mean, it was basically exactly how I thought it would go down. Um, (laughs) I was just like, she's not ready. She's not the kind of character or the person that would move on from, like, her husband quickly... And and that automatic guilt that she felt for even kind of flirting with him, realizing that that was going on. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly what I thought was going to happen. So for me, I was just kind of like, "Well, I'm right."
0: I did think it was really interesting. Like he makes that comment about how it's divorced, how how like he and his wife were divorced, and she's like, "That's different." And it was fucking ice cold. I was yep. really that was good delivery, good like, and I think like a good way of showing that he was kind of like entitled about the whole thing and
2: sleazy. I don't like his vibe. He does not pass the vibe check. He does
1: not pass the vibe check. From the second they were on the screen together, yeah. I was like, "Oh, he's going to ask her out." Like it didn't like I knew He was not immediately. Looking
0: face the entire time in that first scene. No.
1: Also like, how little tact do you have to have as a human to know that someone's husband just passed away, to know enough about them as a couple to know why he passed away, how he passed away? And then to like have the balls to be like, well, I I don't I lost my wife too, like, and and to know that it was divorce instead of death, like, I just I was like, what is wrong with you? These aren't things you should. It's say. like literally As a been person. a few months. It was
0: so
2: bad. A few months. Well, and this was your whole
0: thing, yeah. Danny, with him being like just entitled rich dude, right? Like,
2: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> it is all that behavior that you would expect from that which exactly. is disappointing honestly but <laughs> i hope
2: he's not like a dick to her, like moving forward yeah. well
0: especially because she has to work with him and yeah yeah so you also brought up a couple of weeks ago that you thought jenna getting close to maggie might create tension with emily and I-, I think we saw a hint of that in this episode though like not in their actual interactions but just in like the faces that emily was making when jenna and maggie were
2: yeah like at the end like right before zoe walks out and like you know sees yeah. aiden or whatever like they're all getting drunk. And and it's just like that look on her face. Like, I feel like Emily has this look on her face like, well, Maggie's never done that with me. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm married to her son. But I feel like that that is different. Like, it's a different kind of relationship. A lot of people have boundaries with like, in-laws. Yeah. And I think there's something too
0: about like, if you are sort of the The responsible one, it can, I feel like as somebody who who tends to be kind of responsible and serious, right, it drives me nuts when people who I feel like are not really being terribly responsible are just kind of like doing whatever they want end up getting the rewards the social rewards for it and I know that's like a petty thing and I'm working on it I have a therapist Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I do think like I do think that especially when it's a relationship that you feel you should like you should have a close relationship with this person and then this other person in your life who just like swoops in is not being terribly responsible about things in general like Mm -hmm. suddenly gets the thing that you've always wanted that stings you know
2: Yep.
1: Yeah, it's super frustrating.
0: I also uh, tend,
1: or or tended, I guess, in my younger years to be the like responsible one, and and that it is so frustrating to like feel like you did all the work yeah. and like checked yeah. all the boxes and got all your A pluses and and maxed your GPA out and like did all the things, and then to watch someone else just like casually waltz in and just like mm-hmm. charm the pants off of the room and and get that get that golden ticket of that relationship, I think is really hard i also think though that like maggie wouldn't have necessarily done that if jenna hadn't been like yeah yeah never yeah, yeah, have yeah, i yeah, ever yeah. and like drank the wine and you know like like jenna instigated the heck out of that and that's just like not emily's vibe emily's not gonna be like yeah let's get drunk together mother-in-law so was it the last episode it or or the
0: before where where jenna decides to stay because I, like, I, I remember feeling when she says that she's going to stay and David's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Right after he and Emily talk and are like, oh, we're tired of her. And Emily's like, yeah, great. That like Zoe and David really sense that this is the type of person that Maggie needs right now. As somebody who's a little unrestrained, a little irresponsible, who will sort of break her out of the habits that she's developed out of having to be responsible, not just for herself and like for her kids, but like having to like taking on the work of um, helping somebody who she loves who is dying, right? Like it's, it's not just the mm-hmm. emotional experience of losing someone you love. It's also that she's had to be responsible for him as his condition has deteriorated. And so I think both Zoe and David really sense that, Jenna can be good for Maggie precisely in the ways that she's maybe a little... Um not together in her own life (laughs) but for Emily that's just hard because I think Emily feels like oh well you know I'm trying to take on some of the extra you know household burdens I'm bringing my kid by I'm trying to do all these things to to help Maggie why doesn't she respond to me
1: something that I would just like was thinking of as we as you guys were talking about that and and something that I would really love to see them explore as the season goes on is like I get the sense that Mitch was Jenna-ish Right, like in his prime, like I feel like he was that little bit rebellious that like kept her on her toes and stuff. So I would like I'm curious to see if they like draw any connections between like Jenna and Mitch and like if they bring that up at all and talk about like if there's any like memory flashbacks we get where like they do something similar or whatever. And but now I'm like, oh, I want to know what those parallels are like.
2: Fullest kind of guy. Get on your sailboat.
0: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I
0: really did like the the game of Never Have I Ever, uh, um, like you mentioned, and not just because we have a podcast about that show, too. Jenna and Maggie do seem really well suited to each other. Maggie has this wild side from her youth that lets her connect with Jenna. I felt like I should explain the Esalen Institute for listeners who might not be as familiar with Bay Area and its history as we are. Mm-hmm. So, the Esalen Institute is like this hippie retreat center, or it, it I told was, you she it was started. a hippie. <laughs> Well, but hang on, hang on. Like, yoga, meditation, spiritual stuff. But it was also, like, founded by two Stanford grads. And the place itself is, like, this gorgeous property in Big Sur um, near Monterey. So on the one hand, it's, like, the center of 60s counterculture. On the other, it has, for a very long time, attracted a lot of, like, wealthy, elite Silicon Valley types. And I read this book earlier this year. It's called um, What Tech Calls Thinking, And it deconstructs a lot of the ideas that you see in the tech industry, like disruption and shit like that. Um, And so many of them can be traced back to the Esalen Institute and the sort of corporatization and, I mean, I'm going to call it gentrification, the gentrification of the Esalen Institute of this like counterculture movement. It would kind of bastardize some of those teachings, but also the more that happened and the more this like money came into esalen the more it like shifted the priorities and the and the approach of the institute itself so uh, to me it makes a lot of sense that maggie went to esalen both because it would have attracted her as a young hippie activist in the 60s but also because it's this kind of place where like the people who come out of it end up with a lot of connections and end up as kind of like wealthier members of the wealthy elite and while Maggie's career has been this like landscape design she's doing it for really rich people and she clearly has money herself by you know her house which we assume is in uh is in Marin (laughs)
2: yeah
0: uh so I like I think of Esalen Institute. It, it's still around today, but like I think of it, kind of like the Burning Man of that time period, right? Like started out super counterculture, and there's still that element, but also like totally overtaken <laughs> by by yuppies, basically. <laughs> and so I think that it, it, like, it makes a lot of sense <laughs> to me <laughs> that Maggie would be <laughs> from there, both because she was a hippie and because she is no longer.
1: Okay, I'm like really glad you explained that for one because I'm not super familiar with the Bay Area's history, and I didn't go do a Google search after that episode. So, um, I when I like don't know stuff, sometimes the shows I'll be like, I'm just going to suspend yeah, yeah. my disbelief and <laughs> well, assume. Not that everyone's it makes like us.
2: Sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. so. Look,
1: <laughs> depends on the day, but I think that's like it totally tracks. Also, I think that like there's this underlying human thing that we have as a species where like at least a nugget of our souls want Mm -hmm. to do the counterculture thing. And so like the the counterculture stuff always gets gentrified and bastardized and like always gets taken over by the yuppies because uh, it's just like people, well, then people think they can commodify it, right? And they can sell it to you in a bottle or whatever instead. And so I think it's really interesting to have that be like part of, Maggie's history and also like I'm curious to see like I'd really love to see how her evolution as a human in yeah. all of the ways that like she inevitably has involved like
0: yeah like how did she get from naked activist in the street to landscape
1: architect right, to the wealthy elite right
2: probably something to do with uh, having children <laughs> I feel like you gotta settle down and uh, not get arrested anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We should move on to the next storyline, which is about Max and Mo. Danny, what did you think of the way Max was treating Mo in this episode?
2: It didn't surprise me because they are just so very different people. Mo is definitely just like this over-the-top person, but I love that Mo pointed out, he's like, we have a different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And I just think Max needed to say something sooner. Like, everything that he was saying was, like, really passive-aggressive and, like, petty. And then until finally, like, he says something. But I mean, like, I feel like there's just, like, a lot going on there. Like, Max obviously just went through a breakup or not breakup, a pause or or whatever the hell they're calling it. So he's very upset. And then, like, I don't blame him for feeling, like, how he felt. Like, that he was just doing everything.
1: I think, like, one of the things I love the most that this show like does his communication and like as terrible as mo is at it sometimes like there are times when mo mm-hmm. is just like brilliant at it and this episode was like definitely they one always of those show you instances. like at the like, end
2: of the day like how to have proper mm-hmm. communication
0: it's often cobbled together from like multiple characters mistakes and correct actions but yeah
2: yeah yeah which i think is so
1: human and also like probably another reason i'm so like into this show because i have been working on my
2: communication <laughs> a lot it's so hard not to be petty
0: I wish we still had Easter eggs in this one. (laughs) That would have been it.
2: (laughs) You might have to make (laughs) an exception. It's so (laughs) hard not to be petty.
0: One of the things, like I agree with you, that from Max's perspective, you can totally see why he felt like Mo just wasn't doing anything and like wasn't pulling his weight. But also, I think if you sort of look at it from the outside, which of course all of us are doing, the party is both a fantastic party. And it seems pretty clear that it's kind of like a little bit of a marketing move, right? Like, generate some interest in the restaurant. Simon brings this wired reporter who becomes interested in it. Um, And so it it does end up having things to do with the sort of business side of things, just in Mo's unique way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, like, it I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. Like, it just is so Mo, though, to, like, I could under, like... I fully understand Max being like, what the hell is happening? Because I'm sure Mo wasn't like, hey, Max, I'm going to do this, like, party thing. And it's also going to be, like, a marketing move. Like, I'm sure that Mo Mo didn't explain his, like, thought process (laughs) to Max before he did it. Right. Because that's not what Mo does. Exactly. And so, like, so Max is just like, Mm -hmm. okay, so we're just having a karaoke party now. Like, we're paying for this space that is massive and, and, like industrial and probably in an expensive part of town and like and now you're just like renting a karaoke machine like this is what we're doing and so I I really really love that the show put the two of them together in such an intimate like relationship this way with them starting a business together because I have started two businesses (laughs) and the first one I started with four five other people and uh clashing personalities are like a very real (laughs) Very real thing um, that can totally tank a yeah. business and a friendship. And I had both of those happen to me. And so I really like watching Mo and Max like move through the yeah. tough parts together, even if they like butt heads at first, because that's just an experience I didn't get to have with my first business relationship that way. Uh, and like, I wish that like I could have yeah, had adult that, conversations that was like they The biggest end up reservation
2: <laughs> to begin with was the fact that he didn't want to lose a friend. Yeah. Well, so the party
0: generated some good conversation between Mo and Max. It generated some interest in the restaurant. It also generated a very drunk Zoe Clark. So what are your thoughts on drunk Zoe, Danny?
2: I love drunk Zoe. I just, she just doesn't care. She's just so, like... (laughs) carefree and I don't know like I'm honestly surprised though that at some point she didn't end up in like a bathroom like crying because Mm -hmm. she seems like she would be that kind of drunk oh yeah I was so afraid though when you know they ended on that cliffhanger for a second where she's calling someone (laughs) and you just know she's calling someone I knew she was gonna do it obviously but I was just like oh no (laughs) <laughs> but I feel like I feel like her calling George was even worse than if she yes. had called either Simon or Max. Well,
0: she rehired him, which she did not have the authority to do.
1: <laughs> it was also like it made so much sense yeah. because, like, yeah. clearly that was the thing that was weighing heaviest on her at that point. Like, because in a perfect world, like. She and Max and Simon would have gone home Ooh. together all drunk, and it would have been just a disastrous
0: <laughs> if,
2: threesome. If, if the men had
0: <laughs> had a little more to
2: drink, it would have happened. They're totally into each other. I Absolutely. It. <laughs> <laughs> and the way she's just, oh, oh, hell yeah, that bromance
1: is way more than like just a bromance. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Uh, but the way she was like, hey. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, first of all, that cannot be a sex call because you sound like you're three. Counterpoint. She sounded all... like she was
0: three when she was talking to Max. And also when she said, You're a handsome That's true. thank you for being a handsome person. What was it she said to Simon?
1: Yeah, I think it was thank you for being
2: a handsome person. I have person. to say that I, I heavily relate good. to uh Zoe on on that level. I always sound like I'm five. <laughs> I also look like I'm five to some Aww. people. big same.
0: <laughs> well, I really liked, when, when you and I were texting about this, Danny you were talking about just the casual way that Max turns Zoe down because he knows it's not a situation where she can consent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that, and I also loved mo physically pulling zoe away from max because even though he's mad at max himself he realizes that this is a bad situation for him and for zoe and so he's like "Mm,
2: swoop grab remove my drunk ass has definitely been pulled away from people
0: oh i believe it and i I bet you were in fights (laughs) some of the time yes (laughs) um And then so like Mo gives her the stern talking to about drunk dialing, which of course she doesn't listen to because like, why else would you show that talk on screen if she's going to listen? But he's really looking out for for his friends, for Zoe and for Max and (laughs) for Simon, I guess a little too. You've already answered this a little but Tori, please regale us with stories of your love for Mo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love Mo endlessly. Mm -hmm. I love Alex. I've loved Alex since his glee days, like which is a you know glee just let me embarrass myself there We've but all been there i like mo is just chef's kiss on so many levels like as a character strong as hell quiet about their struggles but only mm-hmm. like when they're real in the deep ones and then like really open about like a bunch of other ones and like i just the way that mo navigates the mm-hmm. whole world and all the characters like Mo has the most unique relationship with every other character on the show like Moe's world Mo in. <laughs> is like yeah well Moe just makes like everybody family exactly it's Moe's world <laughs> like um, I don't know I just ugh, he's so good and also I am just like I'm so into Moe's gender expression and still using like he him pronouns i just think it's representation that was really really needed for like a lot of kids on tv to like see that like the binary's fucked you know and yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. and i think like one of the things that i also really like about it is that there's no right there's no explaining that right people just use the right pronouns (laughs) and uh mo just continues to like have a um, non-conforming gender expression, yeah, and it's just there.
2: Yeah, that's yes, what I was. It's
0: thinking. very
1: Shits Creeky in that way. Where like I think this show is w- like one of my absolute favorites, in part for the same reasons that Shits Creek is one of my absolute favorites, which is just like it is a better version of this world. Like it is a world where like all of these things exist, and like it just is, and nobody's like yeah. throwing a fit over it. Like the biggest conflict that we had with, with Mo's identity was like his own, like it was his own issue with the church. Like even the church was like, we accept you and we love you. And like, I just, we need a lot more of that. And the world should be like that. Like like,
0: (laughs) there are shows and books and other media where people behave correctly in those ways, but also there's no conflict period. And, those are not things that I'm into. What I love about the show is that there's plenty of conflict. It's just not conflict about identity.
1: Well, yeah, conflictless shows are I don't know, as a relic like, as a writer, nothing can be completely yeah. correct because then it's boring. Like that's just the, but exactly. But put the conflict in like places that are universally human and not like on the token yeah. issue that doesn't yeah. need to be tokenized. So
0: So we were we were talking about this before, but I do think just the the maturity and the way that Mo and Max work through their problems is is just such a fantastic part of this episode. And like you're saying all the time, Danny, this show really portrays people as adults, handling things in adult ways, which isn't to Mm -hmm. say it's not messy, like See drunk Zoe, but there's always some level of maturity and self awareness. If not in the exact moment, then at some later point. It's actually one of the things that I liked about the last episode with the whole um, moment between the, the the fight fight between Zoe and Max that sort of led to their pause is that she's really trying not to face something. But even in this moment where she's really trying not to face something they use her powers to kind of forcibly put her in this moment of self-awareness and and make her confront it. Mm -hmm. And so I think the the show does that really well. And here too is no exception.
2: Yeah. The adult portrayal of everything is I think what makes me happy because it's like, not only are these characters actually my own age, but like, it just feels so realistic. And I've always just been a huge fan of of realistic fiction in general yeah and i want to circle back though to the moment that we were talking about the um a situation where max turns zoe down i love that because i mean we shouldn't like pat men on the back for doing the bare minimum but like it's still something that i feel like is it's not talked about a whole lot in tv and i (laughs) like that you know they showed him turning her down it's like even though like he clearly still loves her he wants to be with her He knows that he should not, you know, hook up with her because not only she probably regret it in the morning and a lot of, a lot of the times people think that they, they still have consent just because they've gotten consent from someone one time, Yeah, you know? So it's like, I like that they just kind of were like, no.
0: Yeah, I did too. And I also liked that they, right, like they showed him doing it even though he was clearly like not thrilled about the situation. And I think that's, like, I think that's important, too. I've seen a couple shows where they really sort of emphasize consent issues in this way, but, like, there is this sort of utopian, conflictless vibe to that where, like, the men are just perfect. Like this is just how they're born is that they know about how consent works and they're doing the right thing in every situation and they're always happy about it. And the truth is, right, like people aren't always happy about having to turn somebody down when they're super into it, but it's still the right thing. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I kind of think there's value too, to like seeing him be kind of irritated right. by it and still turning her down and still being like, no, this is not right.
2: I kind of hope they circle back to it. Like maybe like Zoe have a conversation with him, like being like, thank you for like turning me down and pushing me away since it wasn't the right moment.
0: I don't know. I feel like I I personally would feel like for, for the sort of reason you said, like we don't want to just pat men on the back for like, give him a gold star for doing the right thing. I don't think she needs to have that conversation with him. I think it's just his responsibility. Yeah. I
1: feel like, uh, I don't uh, Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with what you guys are saying for sure. Like, I think that, um, what he did was like just what he should have done and that is like how it was portrayed in the show and I really Mm -hmm. appreciated that I also think that like Zoe is so riddled with neuroses that like (laughs) if if he had taken advantage of that moment and like that there's no way they ever would have had a second chance and I think you know I think because we don't see a lot of history in this show, which I think is a really beautiful thing about it. Because if you look at like, this is us, which just like steeps in the flashbacks and like talks about the historical piece of losing someone, as opposed to like how this show really, really digs into like the, reality of like the now moment of it but because it does that we don't get like the layers of like little seven-year-old neuroses zoe doing something crazy to little seven-year-old like trying to figure his shit out max and like we don't get to see all these layers that like of understanding that these people have of each other but i think that this moment was like a really good portrayal of like max knowing zoe and like like you said claire like he clearly wasn't thrilled about it but like knowing that if he even like started to take that bait that like who zoe is and has been over the years would just well max
2: and zoe have actually only known each other for about five years they met well both starting work for spark point he's from the east coast and moved
1: why do i think they known each other
2: forever because they seem like they've known each other forever (laughs) they're just kind of like they're soulmates.
0: Don't worry about <laughs> it, Tori. I've been subjected to so many patented Danny corrections <laughs> over the years. Oh,
2: that hey, right, hey. the hell out of me. Headcanons, though. <laughs> Clara likes to correct me too. <laughs> it's true.
0: It's true that you got two Earth signs together. It's just going to be. <laughs> it's well, going to actually- be a little extra
1: sometimes. <laughs> the beauty of it, though, is the Earth signs can handle the corrections as well. It's true. Yeah. It's true.
2: Yeah, like, like right, thank cool you for <laughs> it's like, thank you for teaching me.
0: Well,
1: in my head, they've known each other since they were children. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so we should move to the next arc, which is kind of the through line for this episode, which is Zoe's uh, misguided attempts to choose happiness, um, sort of at Moe's direction, which is like bad advice mo um really curious what you think about this one tori i have a feeling you have feelings
1: you think what me feelings yeah no uh (laughs) i have a lot of feelings um as someone who like spent a lot of time trying to do that and trying to push that idea as well like i mean i'm a virgo with a lot of capricorn placements in my chart like The idea that I cannot choose how to feel on a daily basis is like genuinely exhausting and and, like terribly frustrating to me, right? Like, I wish that it were as easy and as simple as waking up and choosing happiness. But like, I think they handled it really well, as of course they would, because the show like doesn't tiptoe around, nor would they lean into like, yeah, you can just manhandle your life into being perfect. But like, for me, growing up, In the Midwest, and like I like I love my grandparents, and they raised me very very well. But like there was there is that kind of mentality, that kind of like bootstrappy mentality in in Iowa. And like there and so like they didn't know what to do with me when I like wasn't happy or wasn't Little Miss Sunshine, right? And so like as a result of that, like it took me forever to like even accept my own like anxiety like diagnosis and things like that because like. I just was like, no, like, I'm high functioning. And, you know, well, I didn't mm-hmm. use the word high functioning, because I didn't have that vocabulary at that time. But like, no, I'm high functioning enough. Like, it's fine. I'm not, you know, there's nothing wrong. Yeah, with it's me not anyway.
0: disruptive. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And so I think that's just like, that's the insidiousness behind this, like, terrible advice that I think Mo gave to Zoe out of like, Mo also trying to give it to himself like Mm -hmm. I think Mo's trying to force some feelings to fit into like square pegs into round holes right now Mm -hmm. um and so I think maybe like I think there's a piece of Mo that was like well I'm gonna impart this wisdom of mine onto Zoe and if it works out for Zoe then I know it'll work out for me obviously it didn't because obviously it doesn't but I just think like I admire her for waking up that next day and being like Yep, I'm uh, that's it. I'm choosing I'm choosing happiness and then like continuing to attempt to choose happiness even when <laughs> she got this news about having to, you know, fire 10% of her workforce or or whatever it was. And I think she handled the downfall of this like ideology yeah. really really well. Like she didn't crumble and I think season 1 Zoe might have crumbled really so.
0: Yeah, and I think that brings us to like, I mean, I said this before, but I feel like the idea that you can choose happiness is so... Can can something be out of character for a show? I think it's out of character for this show. that um, it was like, it, it seemed pretty obvious that it's going to be deconstructing that. But I think the sort of key moment where Zoe is dealing with the downfall with that is also the moment where she encounters Simon in the, like, meditation room. And he, he just has this amazing... Monologue that I think, like, I've seen versions of this before, but I felt like this particular one was just so good and so uh, really underlines what really needs to happen because it's it's not that you need to force yourself into positive feelings and ignore the negative ones, and it's also not that you need to wallow, right? Like, you just kind of need to let yourself have all of the feelings that you're having. So let's take a listen.
1: I have been trying so hard. It's hard to be happy lately, and the universe just keeps
0: throwing obstacles in my way.
3: Life will do that to you. It's not like you have to only feel one thing at a time. You can feel all of the emotions at the same time, like happiness, anger, grief. Look, you, you got this, you got a massive hole in your heart that you just can't fill, and I understand that. But the good news is that eventually that hole will scar over. You can wear that scar like a badge of honor. And it won't define you, it'll deepen you. It could, and, and, and you'll learn how to draw strength from it. because scars are tough. They remind us of all the battles we fought. And how we survived to tell the story. Just trust and allow all the emotions to be there. And you'd be surprised if some of the old ones that start just spring back up
0: so yeah danny what did you, what did you think about this? I know this was like one of those moments in this episode
2: that really resonated with you. I loved that moment for one, I loved just kind of like how casually the conversation is like it's not this like Mm -hmm. crazy tense like conversation between them like it's very like chill i mean they are in the meditation room but (laughs) i don't know like it's moments like these that i'm just like i fucking love simon and like he really like doesn't get enough love and like i feel like a lot of that comes from the fact that i don't ship him and zoe but like i still love simon as a character you diamonds them Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> I loved that moment, though, because I happened to be watching the episode on – well, it aired on the anniversary of my grandpa's death, and it just kind of made me feel like – like, I just resonated with what he was saying, like, that I was feeling all of these different emotions and within the same day at the same time, and – I don't know. I just loved that part. The last time they were in that meditation room was not calm and chill. So like, No, as <laughs> no, Simon and he mentions. Says that. <laughs>
1: yeah. So extra impressive that they managed to like just make this. what What I think a lot of shows would handle as like a very heavy conversation, just like part of their relationship. And again, like there's the trauma bond thing there. But like Simon's just like really wise like simon is this person who like in a lot of ways is a fucking idiot but like (laughs) but in a lot of really important ways especially the ones that like zoe needs right now and considering like he didn't lose his dad that long ago like
0: it was well he was a fucking mess last season yeah
1: like it was it wasn't that long ago so i'm like deeply impressed with his ability to like catalyze and process and then like have this output of this like really mature relationship with his grief where like he maybe can't well I mean I feel (laughs) I feel like I always feel like that after a therapy session right you walk away and you're like I am the czar of understanding emotion and then like you have this toolkit and you can like regurgitate it to other people or whatever but like you may not always succeed in practicing it on your own but I think the way he, like, gives Zoe permission to just, like, have emotions. Be a mess. Yeah, and, and fall apart and, like, that – and to have that not mean that she, as a human, will be forever falling apart is just something that's really beautiful and something that, like, I personally need to be reminded of yeah. all of the time. And so, like, he just – he does it so beautifully and yeah, so good. <laughs>
0: I do. I really like this scene. I'm I'm worried a little bit in the season as a whole that he's being sort of shuffled into the supporting character role in a way that Max isn't mm. because he's no longer a love interest of hers. So I'm hoping that this like new thread with Tatiana gives him some independent life again. Because I like I love the advice that he's giving Zoe, but also I I want to like in season one one of the things we got was a lot of who Simon was qua Simon. Mm um and i feel like we haven't really had any any of that seriously in this season So for
1: all of the like things that like i will praise this show for doing like so well until the ends of the earth i do think that like hetero love interest is just one that they like have not hit the mark on like i feel like they've struggled with that where like they know zoe's their main and if someone's not romantically tied to her and is not familiarly tied to her. Like, they don't yeah. necessarily know what to do with them. Like, you saw that. Honestly, I felt like we saw that in the back half of season one with Max. When, like, he wasn't her main interest. And it seemed like Simon was. It felt like yeah. Max and who Max was outside of Zoe just got, like, super put away into a box. Whereas, like, now we're seeing that happen with Simon. Which is, like, really not a good time because... I love Simon, and I think there's a lot to Simon that, like, still could be explored, especially after, like, the emotional, revelatory storyline he had with his almost marriage last season and, like, all of that. So, agree. I think they definitely need to figure out how to handle these, like, men when they're not, like, trying to get in Zoe's pants actively.
0: (laughs) All right, so we we should move to the last arc, but before that, we have to talk about
2: George. Danny, how'd you feel about him? this this episode? I mean, I was sad because I was getting used to seeing him and I thought it was going to be a much longer arc from, mm-hmm. I think it must just take a lot longer to film during COVID restrictions.
0: They're still filming right now, I think.
2: No, no, Jim- I know. They yeah. took a huge break and then they f- started filming again because um, I know that a lot of them were like basically on vacation for a bit there. Yeah. I think it does just take a lot longer. I just figured his arc would be longer. Because I think we're going to have a big, meaty break coming up soon because, like, I mm. didn't see any episodes listed as airing past, like, not this next one, but the one after it.
0: Oh, no. A hiatus. I th- think
2: hi- there's hi- going hi- to be a hiatus.
0: Hiati? Hiati. Hiatera? Hiatopodes? Sorry. This is like a. Having been in a linguistics PhD program, this is like uh, one of the ridiculous um, hobbies of linguists is just coming up with with the weirdest plural that you can think of for things.
1: i'm gonna go with my husband must like low-key be a uh phd in linguistics because he just does that all the time anyway (laughs) i'm
0: gonna go with hiatus i think that's the most ridiculous latin or greek plural i can't remember if it's latin or greek right now whatever anyway so yeah i was really sorry i was really sad about george too um Really sad to lose Harvey, though, obviously, I understand that he has to go back to what we do in The Shadows, where he is, like, the main character. (laughs) And I think you were telling Lanier that because of COVID restrictions, you can only film one show at a time, right? Yep. Which is why
2: Lauren Graham had to leave as well. Right, right. Because of Mm -hmm. the whole Disney
0: thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Lauren Graham, I'm holding out a hope that George will come back in later seasons. And actually, I've seen some talk that like they they kind of want that to happen i mean who yeah. knows if it will actually be possible
2: yeah they definitely want it to
0: yeah I, I don't think this is what's actually gonna happen but i have this fantasy headcanon that he's gonna get like super good at the business side of things not the coding side and get really confident and come back to spark point to replace danny michael davis as always boss
2: oh god <laughs> the
1: level at which I would love that is very high. <laughs> like partially because I love Harvey. Like both my husband and I, when we watched this episode for the first time, we're like, no. And of course, like Peter's response was no. Guillermo! <laughs> and Of course my response was just like, no Harvey, because now I've watched Harvey through like a number of yeah. roles. And, and I just like, I love seeing him on screen. I also just think he does like beautiful things with characters and like yo them look, I love the magicians, but they wasted his comedy chops, Mm -hmm. man. Like that boy can like really kill it. Yeah. Yes. And I just loved all the like little I also want to know if that picture of george's abuelita on his desk is, is harvey's. Like harvey's abuelita like this is what i want
0: it, <laughs> it really but looks i mean like i think it looks like it has to be just because it looks like such a like
1: it's a sp- very specific yes. photo to like be a random yes, stock photo that's exactly yes. it
0: it's very specific <laughs> the lighting is not like spectacular it looks like a like home snapshot it's
1: like <laughs> Yeah, and so and if that's true, I want to know everything about Harvey Zabaleta because she looks like she's lived some life.
0: I actually saw kind of a one one man show with Harvey because um, he gave a talk at at CSU Monterey Bay where my husband teaches. Um, it was really interesting because he was talking about how like growing up, you know, he he grew up in a family that didn't have a lot of money, and he wanted to take this acting class that was like fifteen dollars or something like that, and so like his family. He, Couldn't slash wouldn't give him money to do that. And so he collected cans to recycle to make the money to take his first acting class. (laughs) Um, And I mean, there's like so much more in there and I I can't possibly like say all of it. But I just thought like it was so nice to see to like get to hear that much about because he talked for like an hour monologuing and it was it was just nice to hear that much about his life and about like his journey into acting
2: that does not surprise me that his family wasn't necessarily down for it just because like it's such a you just never know what's gonna happen
0: yeah and especially like especially if you come from a background where you don't where like there isn't a lot of money Mm
3: -hmm. I think there's this
0: real push to for for the kids to find financial security and to, like, yeah. make that a priority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. No more George. He did get quite an exit, and we'll talk about his musical number when we get to Heart Songs. But, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we, we like, got a little bit of George talk in before we moved on to David and I'm going
2: to miss him. I was, like, starting to ship him with Tobin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
1: Stand by it. I need him to come back and ask Tobin out on a date with a different Britney Spears song. That's
0: what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully we will have the chance again at some later point in the future to talk all things George. But for now, our last arc that we have to discuss this week... The reason we brought you here, Tori, to be our our bereaved, our bereaved partner consultant, um, <laughs> um, official title, David and Emily's arc. So, yeah, what it, what did you think? Did it resonate at all with with your experiences and with sort of the like your experiences of that of that relationship of like being a partner to somebody who has gone through something that intense.
1: In a lot of ways, yes. I mean, I think so much of what they go through is, is so similar, too. It's really interesting <laughs> that he wants to stay home with the baby and, like, he wants to, you know, do all, like, change his whole work thing. Like, just because, like, a large part of Peter's grief has been not wanting to do big things mm-hmm. in life because his dad's not there. Uh, and, like, he lost his dad when he was 16, so yeah. it's been a number of years. but he took, I think, like, a good year or two longer than he necessarily wanted to, to propose, just because, like, the idea of proposing and, like, not having his dad there was Mm. really hard for him. And so when it comes to, like, career stuff, he's always just done, like, retail work or, and, like, he does videography and stuff now, but he kind of just, like, stumbled into that and it ended up working out really well for him. But he... Absolutely wants to be a stay at home dad. Mm. And like when we've talked about it, like it is definitely in not small part because of like how much he remembers his dad being there when he was young. And like his dad wasn't a stay at home dad, but he did like construction work or he did some kind of work with like landscaping and, and construction and things like that. And he was just around a lot. He was always at the T ball games. He was always, you know, always at the football games and things like that. So like I think there's just this like paternal need to like be there. Um, and like, I deeply, re- I, I deeply resonate with Emily and that like, I want to keep working. So like, if we, if we can find a way to make that work, like I would love for Pete to be a stay at home dad, but something that I would want, I would love to see more of in Emily's arc this season is like, I don't know how long she and David were together before like Mitch got sick. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I don't know how, how, much she knew of mitch before like mitch got sick but like i know for me knowing how important pete's dad was to him like
0: it's really interesting to hear your perspective um right like for me when i'm looking at this stuff i'm looking i'm thinking of it through the lens of like what my dad is going through and like what i'm going through because my dad is going through this illness and you know i think a lot about like how does this affect my husband like when my dad was in the hospital last year, it took so much out of me just between, like, worry and trying to be there for him and for my stepmom, like, physically be there. We, I think, like, Danny, you and I talked about this maybe in our, our first episode or, or maybe in the trailer, that my dad does have this, like, tendency to to minimize what he's experiencing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, like, minimize the effect that his symptoms are having on on him personally. So... I would have these suspicions before that things weren't always going quite as well as he'd say, but then when he was in the hospital, it was like, the the jig is up completely, right? It wasn't me seeing him every three months <laughs> or every two months or every month or whatever, right? Like, I was yeah. seeing him all the time, and on top of that, like, it was also just clear when somebody goes for a walk and they pass out and break their ankle because their blood pressure is is not fully regulated maybe it's not something that you want to like get in the way of your life and how you feel about your life, but it is still something that is happening and that does affect how you have to go about living your life to a certain extent. doesn't mean that you do, you can't do the same things, but it does mean that you have to do them in a different way. And so I was sort of having that experience and I had these like really hard conversations with my aunts where at that point it was, it was pretty easy for him to sort of, hide and minimize, um, the impact if he's just talking to somebody. And he, he would say at the time that he had Parkinson's, which he has multiple systems atrophy. It falls under the atypical Parkinson's umbrella, but it's MSA. It's, it's a different diagnosis with a different prognosis. And so I just remember like, those were the conversations that just like, like shot me through the heart was having to say to his older sisters, Hey, this is the reality of it. This is how much time we're talking about. Don't wait. <laughs> you know, you need to visit him, mm-hmm. you need to talk to him. And then of course, two months later we had a pandemic. So <laughs> the sort of visiting went out the window a little bit. Though they did they did come when he got out of the hospital. And I think like for them, but also for my husband and for anyone else who isn't like not just like seeing him all the time, but there's a certain closeness, right? Like I've known my dad my whole life and Mm-hmm. I know when he's, like, bullshitting himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think my husband, like, he got it on an intellectual level. Mm-hmm. He got the stress that I was going through. He got what was happening to my dad. But there was a level where it was like, this is a broken ankle, right? And it's more complicated, but it's it's a broken ankle. The like, the sort of associated worry that I have around, like, anticipatory grief. that <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> A broken yeah. ankle leads to a wheelchair, you know, leads to one yeah. more step on this journey.
1: Um, well, and it's also, like, your dad becoming, you know, like, not someone who you recognize as fully as your dad, right? And, like...
0: I don't know if I would say that. Um, but definitely, like... It just makes things harder, right? We talked a lot. Mm-hmm. You weren't here for that, obviously, Tori. But, like, the first episode of the season really hit me because my my dad has become a lot less intelligible, um, especially over the last year. Like, it's it's been happening for a little while. But now I think if you're not talking to him regularly and you don't have visual cues, it's it's very, very hard to understand what he's saying. So, like, he and I were going to do a podcast last year after he got back from the hospital. And it just it, – it, it's not really an option. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that was one that hit me really hard. It's it's the ways in which things like that make it harder to communicate. I can't have private conversations with him really anymore because mm. uh, I can't, even though I understand him better than most people, I don't understand him fully. I can't um, talk uh, because we can't have private conversations, right? Like, we also can't have, sometimes as complexer, like as, like, intellectually complex right. conversations as we used to have. So he's still the same person, but my access to parts of him that have been really important to me my whole life, right? It, it's not there anymore. And so I think for, for, like, my husband, he he got that intellectually, but the weight of it took a little while before he could get it. And he was super supportive. Mm. He's been super supportive the whole way, but, like, especially once he sort of start, started to understand... Yeah.
1: I think I have like a unique like I'm very lucky that I am like deeply empathetic and like even even with that on my side to like equip me with certain like abilities to move past the intellectual
0: yeah.
1: acceptance of it into pieces of the emotional acceptance of it it still is just like yeah and I think it's a weird like as a spouse of of someone who has suffered a loss like that like it's just a really weird um it's a weird, like not grief. It's a weird pain to navigate because mm-hmm. like, it, it just, it's so personal breaks my heart that I can't undo these things. Like I can't take away the memories that he had of his, you know, of his dad in his last days, like trying to just be the most, his dad, that you know, like, I mean, his, so his dad passed away of, um, lung cancer, mm-hmm. but it, they didn't, diagnose it until it was like stage four and he was having like vision problems. And so it like went reasonably quickly, but I think it's just knowing that he had to watch the future that he had planned to have with his dad, like yeah. go away. And like that, like that breaks my heart because I can't do anything about it. Like that is, I think, uh, and that's something that like the thing that I struggle with the most with people that I love is just like, uh, when they're in pain I want to take it away from yeah. them even if it's like even if even if I can't because I also like just deeply grapple with the like ridiculous unfairness of things like that like of of cancer or of things like what your dad is going through and like it, it's it, it's stupid and it shouldn't be happening and I like like I get very um, angry on behalf of the universe like knowing that like yeah, good people are, you know, whatever. So I think it's just a weird—it's a weird place to be in where you like, you intersect with the grief, but it's not yours. And so figuring out like how to yes. support and how to, like, yeah, and it's just it's weird. To bring
0: it back to the show, like that, I really think is what Emily is going through in this episode when she when she tells David that she, he she knows he's going through a lot. Like in that scene when he first tells her, "I want to quit my job," and she's like, "I know you're going through a lot, but please, no big changes right now." That is this moment for me of, like, she yeah, she knows it intellectually, but she doesn't have it internalized because it's not her pain, right? And it takes her the course of the episode. And of them, like, watching especially the way that he just sort of resigns himself to that. Mm -hmm. It makes me a little emotional to talk about this. But, like, she sees that. She sees the way that he resigns himself to that. And that is the moment that, like, triggers for her, like, oh, okay. I get this and what I want is to be here for you.
1: Yep. And I think that's what you have to do in those situations. Like, well, okay. (laughs) First of all, I love David. And I know, I also know he's going through like so much. But the way he approached that conversation. (laughs) Worst timing ever. When she was in the middle of changing the diaper. Like, and this is how I know Peter and I have come a really long way in communication as well is because... (laughs) Like as soon as David like walked in and was just like, I want to quit my job. Pete was like, whoa, no, dude, no. And I was like, yeah, that is not how you like the first thing you should say is like, hey, do you have a second? I want to talk about something. And not just like, here's this thing that will like deeply change both of our lives. And so I think Emily handled it like way better than she would have first seen. Oh, for sure. (laughs) But like I think she handled it as best as she could in that situation. And I think like, you can see her learning how to help him operate through his grief, because I think that's one of my biggest things that I try to do for Peter is like life still continues, even though like you wish so badly that it would stop, like it it still goes. And so you have to find ways to operate within that. And so like, I think Emily does a really good job of being like, I'm not like telling you, no, I just am telling you, we can't have this conversation right now. Like we can't be I think in her head, that's what she said. And maybe that's just me like projecting. (laughs) I think in her head, she was like, I'm not telling you, no, I'm just saying like, I just was changing a screaming baby's diaper. And like, this was not the way to have this conversation. And that, but I think he heard, no, don't do this because all of our future plans rely on you continuing to do this thing you now hate. And then I think it took Emily seeing what her words had impacted on him for like, I mean, I've seen Pete break in ways that I didn't intend, like, based on his grief, based on things that I said. And then it is, it's absolutely just this, like, all your walls fall down in an instant. And the only thing that you want to do is just, like, go tell them that, like, whatever it is that they need, like, do that and we'll figure the rest out. And, like, that like that makes me emotional because that's the conversations that like we've had over yeah. the course of our marriage and our relationship that like really make a difference I think.
0: So we've been talking for a while Danny do you want to add anything before we talk about Aiden?
3: Um
2: for one I don't think that David quitting his job is going to work out long term for them but in the bay area single income <laughs> Yeah, in the bay area Emily's a very go-getter kind of person. She's Yeah has drive and an integrity and she gives a shit about her job and she gives a shit about like all of that kind of stuff and so david being a very driven lawyer i'm sure is something that attracted her to him in the first place so i don't know in my opinion and this is me and like and how i know how i am i could not be with a man who is unemployed
0: i I hear you. I think you're kind of projecting yourself onto Emily in this situation. I mean, we'll we'll see how it works out, but I think they're in a very different place. I, in no, their I lives just think there's
2: going to be struggles with the idea of it. Like, it's going to be a reoccurring sure. issue. It's not going to be like a one and done. We're good. Oh, sure,
0: but I don't think that means it's not going to work out for them.
1: I like my vision of it for her is that like she finds like more career-based freedom knowing that Uh like they don't have to pay an expensive daycare and that like knowing that that baby has like the best possible care at home with David like but that's me projecting myself onto Emily (laughs) and like being like if I could go trace like my career dreams and Pete could just watch the kid like that's like I'm here for I'm just
2: curious (laughs) of like it's like is he saying that he literally never wants to have a job again or I don't think
0: so I think he's saying he wants to like raise the kid while the kid is young or kids, since they may eventually have another one.
2: I don't know. I also, this is like the whole privilege <laughs> of it. That's so much fucking privilege. There.
0: Well, the show that family is yeah. like steeped
1: oh, in privilege. Oh, I know. I, love I know. Them,
2: but <laughs> it's true. But I'm just like, uh, like I don't know. I could just see all of the potential, like disruption in this relationship, and it it <laughs> breaks my heart a little bit.
0: Well, well, we'll we'll see where it goes. This is this is one place where I don't think your predictions are going to be correct, though. You know, you've been, you've been right a lot this season, so
2: <laughs> I didn't say that they would not be together. I just think they're going to have issues.
0: Hashtag marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that's all the arcs. I do want to take though a brief moment to talk about Aiden because at the very end of this episode, we get a new character and a new potential love or at least lust interest for Zoe.
2: So. Danny, how do you feel about Aiden? I like Aiden. I like his vibe. He passes the vibe check.
1: Because <laughs> he's
2: Australian. And he sings. Oh, man, <laughs> that cover. That cover. I wish they would release that cover. Of course they haven't. <laughs> I personally think it's what she needs. Like, You think she needs to bang it out? She needs to bang it out. I mean, who knows if they're even going to bang. Maybe there's just like a friend situation. Um, And they just kind of red-herringed it with, like, the sex and candy, like, number. But, well, and also the like, she constant needs blushing. Just- in the- <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. if If you watch, like, the promo for the next episode, it doesn't really feel like they're, like, about to, like, have sex or anything. Like, seems like she's just kind of trying to be... Not choose happiness, but, like, more carefree in general, it seems like, is kind of what she's going for. And he has definitely has that vibe. And I don't know, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with distracting yourself with someone else just because you got out of a relationship with another person.
0: No, there definitely isn't. But I I do feel like the show is veering a little bit back into, like, middle school love triangle territory. And especially, like, I just don't want to see Zoe jerk Max around more because... She did all season one. <laughs> they got like together that. and now they broke up. And, like, for.
1: And, well, and the reason they broke yeah. up was very, like, I want you to have space for your grief. Right. So. so she
0: doesn't take it and, like, bang somebody else. That is also not treating Max very well, in my opinion.
2: I mean, like, I guess, but they're not together. And so to think that she just, like, shouldn't have sex just because she's on. Oh, no, I wanted to have sex. Something. With <laughs> like, I don't. I don't think she's going to have any kind of actual relationship with this guy. That's the thing. I think that they are literally just a distraction for each other, and that's it. I mean, it seems like he's rarely home, is what they make it sound like. So, like, I don't think he's long-term. I'm pretty sure it's a short arc. And I don't know. Like, I'm glad that they – I'm honestly personally glad that they're not just throwing her back at Simon.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do see that. Um I mean, I still like Simon too, but i'm I'm glad that I'm glad for that. I'm glad it's not like a love triangle like the the original love triangle situation yeah, i like I
2: like Simon. I don't like him with Zoe. I would love to see him with someone else, and maybe mm-hmm. we're getting that with Tatiana. I don't know
0: so brief question did anyone else get a lesbian vibe from Tatiana?
2: Oh, I definitely did.
1: I don't i don't I have to watch it again now because I, no, I I'm got, not like, sure a queer
2: vibe in general um, uh uh-huh. but yeah. It kind of seemed like she was flirty with literally everyone. Uh, so okay. that she valid. could just be one of those. But I I don't know. I want to see
1: Zoe. Like, I think Zoe should just bang it out with Aiden. But, like, because she needs to have sex with someone <laughs> who she's not, like, Attached to. Deeply and confusedly and, like, on multiple intense layers emotionally involved with yeah like, i feel like she, she
2: just needs to have sex for the she sake of just it just needs to shut that shit down like all these emotions just have sex for the sake of having sex no strings attached and like honestly i've i've done that i've done the whole like let's put stuff on pause and like i'm just gonna like fuck around while we're on pause like because that's the point of that kind of pause usually it's like I can't be in a relationship, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't be like, you know, addressing my needs, my personal needs. I'd love it if Aiden's arc, like, never involved a heart song from Aiden.
1: If all of his mm. music was his like. His music? Just, just him. Yep. Yeah, and, and like, they could
2: just. I feel like that would be a really. Have a suck session and, and like, no weird, <laughs> weird emotional heart song. Maybe he's so like. baked all the time because he totally seems like a stoner that he just. Like, <laughs> That would think. be a
0: really fun twist on the like the um what is it? Uh pure of heart, dumb of what is it? What is
2: Dumb of Ass? ass?
0: Yes, pure pure of Heart Dumb of Ass thing. His, his the way you can tell that he's pure of heart, dumb of ass, is that he never has a heart song. He's just not deep enough for a heart song. He's just not that deep. <laughs> I would love
2: that. I, I do think he's probably stoned all the time and I remember Mo making it. It can like, be a the Bella about- to her Edward. <laughs> Dude, I was totally thinking that like literally I was all that's really twilighty though like if they do that because then she he's like the one person that <laughs> she can't hear the thoughts.
0: All right, on that note, heart songs. So, love triangle or quadrangle or whatever the fuck fuck buddy situation is going on. Aiden does have a good voice. So, it's fine. we will move on to talking about singing. There were only four, like, true, genuine heart songs in this episode. They were I Want to Break Free by Queen, which David sings. Juice by Lizzo, which Simon sings. Stronger by Britney Spears, which George sings. And I'll Stand By You by The Pretenders, which Emily sings. Which uh, did remind me, I'm not positive, but I feel like I might have in our trailer said that I Want to Be was by The Pretenders and not The Proclaimers, which is wrong. I just, you know, my... Three syllable PR
2: <laughs> beginning band. They're very names. similar. No, I'm just kidding. They're very different. Very
0: different bands, but the names similar are names. similar. Yes. So I just want to clear that up just in case. Um, but yeah, we'll start with favorites. Which song got your juices going this week, Danny?
2: You clearly gave it away. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite heart song is definitely Juice sung by Simon, I just, like, I was not expecting it, and, like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It just, like, looks like he had so much fucking fun with it. Like, I think that's what I love about it. He's just, like, super into it. And then, like, at the same time, though, I would say I would probably tie it with Stronger by George, because, like, I mean, obviously, it was just such a fucking solid number, but I don't know. I just loved how fun it was to hear a Lizzo song. And we were
0: talking about how, like, I mean, we've seen more of it now, but just a lot of the songs have been a little bit old, and so it's nice to have something that, like, not only is not old, but, like, even though that came out two years ago, it's still everywhere.
2: Yeah, and but I still also want to know, like, I want to know what the fuck happened in that office, because that song is just, like...
0: We'll find out when the article comes out.
2: I... F- I was just like, immediately, I was like, did they have sex? I thought some of it might be,
0: you know, Lizzo is super about as a person, it's like super about positivity and especially about like finding that black joy. And I did think their conversation about the fact that like they are both high-powered black people mm-hmm. in a world that is mostly what did she say? Like as white as a cooking class or something like that.
2: Something. Um. <laughs> I'm sure there's some like post-episode interview out there that says why they chose that song. Probably. I, I should have looked find it up it. beforehand. <laughs>
0: um you did you have any thoughts about juice Tori?
1: i just agree with what you guys said like the joy was just so palpable and i just really really loved that like he was just having a blast like even like just recording i feel like like even though yeah yeah
0: So. (laughs) so yeah that's a great choice um for me my favorite this episode was emily's song it was um i'll stand by you I wasn't expecting it to make me cry, <laughs> um, but I definitely leaked out my eyes a little. Um, and, you know, some of that is the song, but I think a lot of it is just like the amount of emotion that Alice Lee poured into that performance. It hit me on a really personal level, just thinking about some of the things we've been talking about, like how supportive Lanier has been been throughout everything that my dad has been going through how grateful I am that he's my partner and just like knowing that no matter how much of a mess I am throughout this process and when my dad eventually does die like he's gonna be there for me and with me and yeah it just it it felt profound to me in a way and you're on the other side of that Tori and I know you said like this was this was one of your favorites this episode so I kind of wanted to ask you about that like how did it strike you how did it like fit into the things that you've been talking about
1: yeah it it was my favorite this episode because it was just wholly this moment where like I was Emily and Emily was me It also made me cry when Peter and I first started hanging out and we were like getting to know each other and, and I had like a huge crush on him and he was just like vaguely emotionally inaccessible as as young men in grief are wont to be. And like <laughs> there was a summer before like after we'd started hanging out and before we like officially got together where he was in Denver Colorado where we live now actually and I was back in Iowa and I started this playlist that I now still have going to this day that now is just like songs that remind me of him or us so it's like a seven year strong playlist now and a lot of the songs I put on it at the beginning were like gosh what's that song there's a Gavin DeGraw song from one of his more recent albums Soldier? no but I do really like that song <laughs> where he's talking about like I know you like think that I'm not gonna be there or like I know you think you're gonna scare me away like these kinds of uh notions but like no like I'm here for it or like Mm. Unconditional by Katy Perry like those kinds of songs that were just very like whatever your shit is like you can lay it on me and like I'm, I'm gonna be able to handle it and I will help you through it and like and so this was just, like, it took me right back to, like, that place, and it took me, like, to just this, like, out-of-body experience, almost, of, like, seeing how far we've come, and, like, how much yeah. he's, like, willing to accept my mm-hmm. support now, and, like, doesn't question it as much, and, like, it's so, that like, oh, it got me, it got me real good. I have goosebumps now just <laughs> even talking about it, but, like, yeah, it was just a moment where I I absolutely was Emily and I felt every ounce of emotion she was pouring into that and like, the way she was looking at David, like as he wasn't even looking at her and like, just all of it.
0: I'm so glad that we have you on and that we get to talk about these things. And for me, I am just finding it like so emotionally satisfying to hear, right, there's different things that you're latching on to in all of these same moments, but like, we seem to be latching onto the same moments and it it feels like it's giving me insight into into you know linear into my partner and I mean he's very different from you, but I think there is some universality to the experience that you have as well and I am just finding it very I am enjoying getting that like getting that picture into um into what he must be going through you know
1: okay, I have to ask you though based on that um in the episode where Max and Zoe had that fight while Max was cooking,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and, like, he was all, like, why won't, like, I, I want to know what's going on inside your head. Did you, like, were you feeling for Zoe in that? And Lanier was on Team Max because Pete and I were like,
0: you would. <laughs> like- oh, Lanier is still convinced that Zoe was lying. Through that entire thing, that she, that she, like, there was no heart song and she was just like manipulating the situation to get it. Oh, really? (laughs) I know. (laughs) He's like, yeah, he's like relying on the fact that like she, that he knows that like she looks this way when her powers are active so that she doesn't have to have the fight. I I know. I think it's crazy. But if that answers your question, I just thought that they didn't want to make Skylar sing like 18 times in that song, but, or in that episode.
1: No, I just—it was. Danny is like, Danny's got arms crossed. She is like, what I the was fuck? just like, I just feel for Max because like he just wants her to like, like lay it on him. Like he's out here being like, I can help you if you just like let me. And that is like something that I had gone through at the beginning of my relationship with Pete. And meanwhile, Pete's over here like Max just needs to back off. <laughs> <And> so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Danny that that's kind of like how you and I talked about it, right? Like I think I mean, I think I have some empathy for for Max in that situation, but I did feel like it it felt to me a little out of character because I felt like it was not very astute or empathetic. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he knows what she's going through, like why would he do that? And I think Danny was talking about how like she is shutting him out and that sucks from the other side. And so I think I definitely can yeah. I definitely can see that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. <laughs> Okay, we are what so far over Sorry, time, <laughs> so um, no, 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 it's great, but um, I'm going to move us along rather speedily and ask Danny to break down the stronger performance for
2: us. I, I don't know, I just loved it so much that I literally can't even explain how much I loved it. That's, that's how much I loved it. And I just love Harvey so much and I'm going to miss him.
1: I can like still see in my head like just hush just stop and I was like oh Harvey you're killing it it was just so good
0: and the look on his face like I feel like all the the facial acting he was doing just before that in that scene and it kind of made me wonder like I feel like I didn't get out of that whether he was like pissed at her specifically or if he was just like uh owning himself (laughs) I think it was a little bit of both yeah, I think I feel like he had to be at least a little bit pissed for sure. Um, I mean,
2: yeah, that's like some fucking emotional whiplash right there. But it was flawless, anyways. Epic.
0: Yes, it was. Um, and I think Harvey, like, it's it was such a physical performance, and Harvey pulled off every part of it so well. And I I remember thinking like when he did the. F- I can't remember. There's some run in it that that doesn't happen the first time, but does happen the second. And, when it, and the first time I was like, oh, did he just like bail on the run? And Lanier reminded me that it's only in the second one. And then he did. It. I was like,
2: that was a spectacular run. Good job. Yeah. I mean, like they had to give him like a really strong like exit performance. Yes. Yeah. You
0: cannot write Harvey off of a show without giving him a
2: bang of an exit.
1: I was trying to think of... I've, I also feel like they underutilized him in The Magicians musically. Like, I didn't know Boy could sing yes. like that.
2: Yeah, he only got... No, he, I don't even think he was ever even, like, chorus in any of the musical numbers.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's even in any of the musical episodes. I'm trying to think if that's the The case. only
2: moment that is musically related that he's in is the one where Josh is getting high <laughs> and... <laughs> And But, like, it's not a musical number in any yeah. way. Like, he's just, like, dancing along to the, like, yeah. rap.
0: Well, John McNamara, that was your loss. <laughs> For real. All right. So then the last true heart song is I Want to Break Free. I'm glad we finally got a Queen song up in this joint.
2: It didn't sound like a Queen song, like, at all, though. Well, maybe because like the
0: straightest character in the show was singing it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that, but like it just felt more like they like made it into some kind of Broadway arrangement than like a Queen song. I mean, I know. I mean, I feel like Queen has some Queens like vibes like that. like that sometimes, but more in like a rock and roll. Like it didn't feel like a rock and roll song.
0: I feel like it. W- it was kind of a weird song for his voice. They buttoned it up a lot, for
1: sure. Which, like, I guess makes sense for this character, but I would have liked to have seen... I mean, it was in a courtroom, too, so, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> you take some, you leave some, but it, it was definitely a weird performance, Danny, I agree.
0: Um, I did really like, though, I liked the the choreography, the dancing in, um, in I Want to Break Free in David's number. Um, I saw on Instagram, I guess, Jane Levy sent him a uh, a pic like a a screenshot of him like being basically horizontal on off of one of the tables and then a picture of i think it was like a i can't remember exactly but it was like some i think it was like a basketball player like in some similar position some gif oh yeah i saw that <laughs> yeah that's amazing. uh i was like that is that's brilliant that's great <laughs> i also i
1: loved how during that heart song like Zoe at first was like I'm worried and then he like looks at the he went over to their baby and she was like oh that's sweet just kidding.
0: <laughs> All right so in addition to the heart songs we did get two other musical numbers thanks to the karaoke party and Aiden's band. We got Opposites Attract by Paula Abdul sung by Mo and a very reluctant Kind of douchey, Max. Um, <laughs> and Very douchey. Sex and Candy by Marcy Playground, sung by Aiden. So let's start with the first one. What did you think of the duet?
2: It really didn't, uh, like, it didn't affect me all that much, because I was just like, this isn't, like, meant to be, like, a heart song or anything. I was just kind of, like, in for the ride, I guess. And I was just like, well, I mean, it is a true uh, song, opposites attract. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have too many feelings about it, though.
0: One thing I liked, and I mean, this is less about the song itself and more about the production, um, but I really like that Skylar Aston didn't sing it like he was Skylar Aston singing, right? It it was less polished. There were pops on the mic. And I just feel like I appreciate those touches that distinguished the sung songs from heart songs in the show, because there's no reason Max as a character should sound like a professional singer. Yeah, he's
2: probably He'd, not in real life, in no, his real
0: life. Yeah. Quotes. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I feel like that was, it was kind of like a nice little touch of authenticity and some of that I'm sure was like Skyler's making choices in the way that he was performing in that moment but I, you know, some of the some of that like is fully that's added back in and I, I just think it was smart. It was a really good move from the show. Um, so that's the duet and then there's Aiden's number which feels like it could be Zoe's heart song but sung by somebody else because uh She's definitely feeling some sex and candy about Aiden in that moment.
2: I mean, I feel like I've already mentioned it a couple times, but like I'm not going to lie, like that had me weak. I was like, "Oh, he's just so cute. <laughs> his hair. I want to play with his hair. I'm sure she does too." I, I feel like that was one of those moments where I was
1: like, this show knows. <laughs> deeply its demographics because that's like from like what now five yeah is, it's like,
2: it's we like, grew up with that now one maybe
1: <laughs> yeah and like the instant i heard it i a got very excited Same. and b was like they're gonna
2: bang <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like there was, was like, just oh, yeah. no other way to react <laughs>
0: like definitely i i a hundred percent agree. Aiden is totally sexy. I, you have convinced me that she should bang it out with him. I just hope that she's like
2: honest with um with Max about it because I feel like I feel like she's going to be just from the promo that I saw. There's this kind of like moment that like Max is like walking away from her, and I think it's probably a something hey, to I do with the need Max to not
1: be a douche about it though. <laughs> like...
0: I'm not a hundred percent convinced he's capable of that in that particular situation.
2: He has too many feelings involved when it comes to Zoe. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're
1: soulmates and like I get it. But also like if you wanted to give her the space to grieve, and grieving includes just mindlessly banging it out, like I would I would like to see Zoe trying to be honest with Aiden about what she wants out of him because it will be gloriously awkward. And I would like
0: sex and nothing more. Thank you. (laughs) I would like one (laughs) order of sex, please. And he will be laying (laughs) her cardigan. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Well, um, this seems like a good time to shift to final thoughts. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. Tori. I mean, I think for a filler episode, there was some really awesome and like, there was a lot of really fun moments Like, obviously, Stronger was just, like, it will just go down and it'll live rent-free in my mind for a really long time because (laughs) Harvey just killed it so, so hard. Um, And I remember, like, trying to figure out which Britney song it was going to be because, you know, Harvey had obviously, like, hyped it up on Instagram stories for the few days leading up to it.
2: And he also joked it was going to be if you seek Amy, and I was like, "How would that?" Uh, I did I not realize it, no. that was a joke. <laughs> Me either. I was like, "How is that going to freaking fit in <laughs> to Toby?" Yeah, that was that was where her brain <laughs> but, went. I remember. Uh,
1: but uh, but then I uh, like, as soon as she was going to have to refire him, I was like, "It's going to be stronger," and then it was, and I was really excited. Um. I think it was kind of a throwaway episode in terms of emotionality outside of Emily and David. I think Emily and David's arc was really poignant and beautiful. And I kind of love that they gave it the breathing space to like not have to contend with a lot of other heavy emotions that episode. Like, I think it really helped. The piece that they found at the end of that episode shine and really like resonate on its own because it wasn't competing with any other storylines and i'm gonna be really upset if zoe and aiden don't bang <laughs> and i'm gonna be really upset if it turns into like an emotional love trial because it's just not necessary no, and i totally that. no we don't and i totally agree with you danny like he doesn't seem long term like he doesn't seem like he's going to be necessarily in the show for a long time and if he is like not in Zoe's life like that but i think sh- the girl deserves to just like get it without having to worry about anything else you know so
2: if anything's going to live in my mind rent-free it's definitely the sex and candy number and that's fair and his beautiful australian accent right afterwards i was like is was he trying to mask it was he trying to mask his accent? Because it took me a minute no. to be like, does he have not an- Because she said like something about our Australian like uh, neighbor. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: When he was like, why is he Australian? And I was like,
2: because it's sexy. Obviously. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, he plays music and he has an accent. Do you need mm-hmm. any more? <laughs> was
1: there smoke effects coming out of that garage? Or was that just the whole vibe that I like? about? <laughs> or was he just <laughs> hot?
2: <laughs> it's probably a marijuana smoke to be honest. <laughs> I'm here for it.
0: <laughs> All right, Danny, your turn, final thoughts.
2: Honestly, like a, I, f- I feel like I don't have too much more to say about it. I just Sex and Candy I, is
0: just pushing everything else out of your brain. Sex and Candy.
2: <laughs> I I mean, I liked the episode. Like it was definitely a filler episode if if you could call it that. I just liked everything that that they touched on. Um, everything was still pretty, like, important, even if it was, like, a filler episode. And I just, I just liked getting to see so many different people kind of, like, have fun, you know?
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's, it is, it it is nice to get some, like, positive vibes occasionally. And I do kind of, like, I mean, there was I think it was a nice contrast to have, like, Zoe deconstructing this whole, you know, choose happiness bullshit. But, like, plenty of people around her do get to be happy, and... I think Simon being one of those people and then being the person who is telling her, like, hey, you can be all of these things at the same time or none of them or whatever, like, just feel your feelings, friend, was, I think, I think there were just nice contrasts um, throughout the episode.
2: I, I loved that there wasn't, like, a romantic feeling to their conversation. Yeah. Like, at yeah. all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think we've come to the end of our episode. Listeners, thanks for joining us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Share your five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Helps other people find our show. And if you want to follow us on social media, we now have the same name on Twitter and Instagram, which is at our extra pod. Um, Yeah, we we, uh, figured out some tiny amount of social media strategies. So join us there. You can see our texts back and forth to each other periodically um, from when we work on the show. So that's everything and see you next week for episode 205. Bye. Bye.